I'm Nina Volato. And I'm Caleb Isley. This is How the Church Works, a deep dive into the inner workings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and why you should care. And today is our final episode. Over the nearly two years that it took to put this podcast together, we have learned so much about our structure, our history, our local church agency, and our culture. I'm going to miss it. I've had a lot of fun learning alongside you and Heather. We started working on this podcast in February 2020. During the next year and a half, we lived through historical event after historical event. In March 2020, an unexpected global pandemic caused us to change just about everything and how we captured our interviews and produced this podcast. The vast majority of our team meetings have been over FaceTime. And while we've met in person a handful of times, most of the way we've developed our work and friendships with each other has really been online. The protests in the summer of 2020 in the aftermath of George Floyd's death caused us to dive deeper into our history as a country and as a church around issues of racism and equality. The protests in Portland were less than two miles from our producer Heather's house. Last fall, we had to cancel one of our team meetings because people were evacuating the town I live in because of smoke, fires, and power outages. While me and my family packed up and relocated, Heather and Nina spent their afternoon getting ready in case an evacuation order came to their towns and they needed to escape. In January, a radicalized group of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol, attempting to halt the certification of election results, something that is usually symbolic, and erected a gallows outside the Capitol building. And when you're working on a podcast, about a Christian denomination that was founded in America, we struggled emotionally to process an increasingly nationalistic Christianity that has taken a hold in America. And while Adventism has not traditionally been nationalistic or evangelical, we are not immune to the strong influence of a nationalistic religion. I have seen firsthand just how vital it is for our faith to be lived out in practice. Faith in the face of disaster is a direct calling for us to be more present in our world and less isolated from the needs of our communities and our neighbors. Through all of these events, events that will be echoed again and again in the rest of our lives, it's clear the status quo of how we do church just isn't sustainable. And we know this. In a few decades, the needs of the world around us and how we do church will look completely different than it does now. Few things have made that clearer than the challenges brought by the COVID-19 pandemic. Four years ago, people began reaching out to me and asking me if I would come and teach churches about social media and how important it was to engage with the emerging culture and younger generations. I was speaking on the heels of a whole rash of preachers who had made careers out of preaching the exact opposite. Uh, People who had scared believers into thinking that social media was one of the greatest evils of our time. But even for the more ambivalent Adventist churches, social media was still something that was new to them. Uh, 
something many churches saw as extra and unnecessary. It was kind of something you pushed off onto interns and volunteers if you even used it at all. But today, in the middle of this pandemic, if a church doesn't have an online presence, it's incredibly difficult to create a sense of community sometimes at all in order to stay relevant and even come into contact with many of their neighbors, the church has to be willing to change. And we're not talking about the gospel. The gospel is always relevant, but the gospel is not the same as the church. The means and mode that we communicate the gospel with the world around us must always be malleable and contingent on the culture and needs of a community. The church must grow and adapt in order to be relevant to a hurting world. Revival and Reformation. If you've been engaged with the Adventist World Church, this phrase might sound really familiar. It's been a popular call to action, particularly in the last decade or so. But it's been around for long before that. It's often used as a missional context, that we want God to bring revival and reformation to the Adventist Church to refocus our efforts onto Jesus and living out the mission that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all nations. It's also been used to encourage a kind of personal realignment with Jesus, focusing on individual spirituality. And for some people, unfortunately, it's been used really legalistically to demand perfectionism and for people to control other people's behavior. And because of that, we've come across a lot of people who really don't like that phrase. It makes sense. But after working on this project and understanding the identity of Seventh-day Adventism in a larger context, it's taken on a much deeper meaning for us, something that really resonates with us. When we look at church history, not just Adventist history, but Christian history as a whole, the Protestant Reformation, the early church, Jesus himself. These movements are always a reaction to something. Jesus' presence on this earth and the way he did ministry and broke expectations and even his death on the cross, it was a protest against the burden of sin, heavy-handed religion, and oppressive governmental systems. During the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther did not want to split the Catholic Church. His nailing of the 95 Theses was a protest against an untruthful and corrupt religion. And he spoke out to push the Church to realign, to revive, and to reform. But the Church didn't want to do that, and Luther wouldn't back down. And so, the Church split. There's no surprise that the Second Great Awakening coincided with the rise of the abolitionist movement, the Industrial Revolution, and a capitalistic economy that treated people like assets instead of human beings. A call to spiritual awakening was a reaction against the greed reflected in society. The existential devastation that resulted from World War I meant that people felt lost and desired a moral clarity resulting in the rise of a fundamentalist religion. There have been many times that Adventism has experienced revival and reformation. From the 1888 Righteousness by Faith debate that preceded a shift to a more Jesus-centric Adventism, 
to the 1901-1903 structural reorganization as a reaction against authoritarian leadership to the founding of regional conferences and indigenous leadership in the context of a racist America. Sometimes we like to think that as Christians and as Adventists, we're immune to the culture of the world. But that's a total misunderstanding of our place in it. When we look at history, whenever there's a revival and reformation, whether good or bad, it comes from asking important questions. Questions we have because of what's happening around us in the world. The context is what God uses to point us toward what to question and to explore. This is how Millerism and Adventism became a reform-centric religion. Abolition in the context of slavery, temperance and health in the context of unchecked disease and alcohol addiction, Sabbath in the context of the Industrial Revolution. Many of these are still issues we're facing today. But there are other beliefs that Adventists have that can feel divorced from their original context. We can get stuck in the context of the past, when the context around us has changed. And so we need to be asking new questions. And when we really dive into the context that surrounds us today, we can see why we're having these debates in church. What does God want us to be asking, doing, What is the present truth that God is revealing to us? In over 30 interviews that we did for this podcast over the last year and a half, we asked every historian, administrator, and pastor, what is the greatest challenge facing the church in the next five years? And we noticed some trends in their answers. You know, one of the biggest challenges I think that we face now, I think we're in a period of change. The world has changed so dramatically. Here's Elder Alexander Bryant, the North American Division President. As a leader, he's thinking to the future. Uh, Society has changed so dramatically, and the church is trying to figure out how do we now pivot in this society? Now, some people feel that all we need to do is just kind of spruce up our old things and we can be okay. And others feel that we need a radical change to meet the missional needs of today's society. We need a radical change of how, not doctrinal, but methodology. So how do we change gears? And uh, some people have been reluctant to make that change. And so I think one of the challenges, how do we as a Seventh-day Adventist church pivot to be more effective in our society today, in the urban centers? Our, our church was founded on methods when the church was a rural church and our country was a rural church, where most of the population was in rural America. Now, most of the population is in urban America and in the urban centers all over the world. And our methodologies are still set in what they were before. So how do we pivot today and meet, become an urban church where most of the people are around the world? And I think that's the greatest challenge that we have before us. And there are people whose eyes and ears are open to it. And yet you have people who are not. They feel that, hey, we're good the way we were. And I think trying to make that pivot, trying to make that shift 
with carrying everyone with you is one of the greatest challenges facing the church today. The church is facing a challenge of relevancy. It's been almost 200 years since William Miller began teaching the message that would eventually become the foundation of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And sometimes we still act like it's 1831. One of the greatest uh, challenges for Adventism is not to become just another denomination, whether that denomination be fundamentalist or that denomination be liberal. Uh, Any move to become just a denomination is a problem. George Knight is a historian, educator, and author. Any move that sets us in cement, so we're no longer a movement, uh, and we've lost that dynamics of growth and and outreach and and future development, uh, these are all detriments to Seventh-day Adventism. So we've got to remember who we are in all of our complexity. In 1901, we went through a major reorganization because... The structures that had built up were not efficiently contributing to the purpose of the church. Lowell is a retired General Conference vice president. He spoke with us in the episode about structure. I think there's time for that kind of review again. And I'm not thinking here just of the General Conference level, although I think that is very critical that we look at what is absolutely necessary from the General Conference. But I think it's also necessary to look at how many conferences do we need, how many unions do we need in this day of travel and communication and so forth. And if somebody out there is listening to this, if this section gets into the podcast, I want to ask you, because you're a strong Adventist, stop making it difficult to keep the young people in the church because you want them to be like you. Pedrito joined us in Episodes 2, The Good Old Days, and Episode 5, A Better Way, Part 1. Pedrito was the one who got us started thinking about context, and it's something he's still calling the church to do. Because sometimes you're a good 19th century, rural, farming, non-city Adventist. You would fit nicely into the 19th century. But your young people, they are not there. They are in a different world. They love Jesus. They love how Jesus acted. They're not into what you are. Jesus loves you for what you are. But Jesus loves these young people too for who they are. And like the woman caught in adultery, even if you think what they're doing is sinful, Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, you without sin. Throw a stone. We are throwing too many stones in the church today. I think the other challenge is we need to give youth a place in the church. I think this is the way I see it. We tell youth we would like you to be in the church. We even give you position of leadership, but as long as you do it the way we tell you to do it. I think we need to move away from that mentality and give them the freedom to be innovative. Professor Joseph Kidder joined us in episode four, the episode about fundamental beliefs. And come up with new ways of doing church that will be impacting for the 21st century. You know, we grew up in an agrarian culture, but today we are post, post-modern world, post-Christian world. 
and we need to address the issues of our time. We grew up in a time, our pioneers, almost everybody in the United States was a Christian. That's not the case anymore. And now we are not only an American church, we are a worldwide church. Uh, talking about young people, ironically, most of our pioneers were very young people like you. And we need to capture that zeal and enthusiasm that they had. They turned the world upside down with their enthusiasm. And God is going to raise another generation who will do the same. I do believe the best days are still ahead of us. Even though the U.S. isn't the center of the church, it is where the Adventist church started. What happens with the church in the U.S. influences the world church. And one of the challenges we are facing in North America today is the continued polarization of religion and division into political factions, both in society and within church walls. If we can't learn to move past our politics and see the human beings behind them, we won't have much to offer the world either. You know, we've been so preoccupied with uh, debates and discussions on, on side issues here and there. Dr. Hazel is the Associate Director of the Biblical Research Institute at the General Conference and spoke with us about fundamental beliefs back in Episode 4. That uh, have taken all our energy and we've done it in a spirit that is lacking gentleness and tact and uh, courteousness. You know, we need to learn not to focus on things that have preoccupied us and has, have not moved us forward any, any significant step and focus on the things that need to be done. We have to figure out how to um, get over our polarization. We have to come back to being a community and being focused on relationships and focusing on what we have in common versus what's different. Barrett Von Poli is the education director for the North Pacific Union. If we have learned anything, it is that we have to really take stock of how we treat other people. People who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't act like us, who don't eat like us, who don't dress like us. And we have spent so much energy in society, in culture, and unfortunately in our church, identifying our differences, that it is going to tear us apart as a people. In America, at least, and, and it seems that this is uh, rippling around the world, not that America necessarily is the fulcrum or the center, but political issues are, are making people polarize. Kevin is one of our resident historians, an assistant professor at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary, and a frequent guest on the podcast. And so we're seeing more of radical right and radical left uh, who are unwilling to talk and dialogue with others. And for those of us who try to walk a middle line and who are proudly independent in politics and willing to support either party, it becomes more challenging. I think that's the safest way and really the, the best way for us to move forward as a church because our pioneers are very strong. We should not support party. We needed to be loyal to, to God and his government alone. But it's becoming harder. And there are a variety of issues that are, that are polarizing people. And the final trend we noticed, not just in our conversations with church officials, 
but in conversations with our Adventist peers and our own personal experience, is that we need to be better at loving the people around us, like Jesus did. Another area, Caleb, I'm just going to say it. We make some things right that we've done wrong. This is Gary Thurber, current president of the Mid-America Union. He spoke to us in our episode on church structure back in episode three, called The Room Where It Happens. In terms of even the mistreatment of minorities in our church, we blew it. We had it. We were way ahead of the world back in the time of Ellen White on knowing how to deal with African-Americans that were now becoming free. And if we had followed through with what she was talking about and what her vision was, we could have led the world in this area. Instead, if anything, fallen behind. We have some things we need to make right. And I hope that our leaders and our people will have the courage to do that, Caleb. That's probably one of the things that would bring the greatest joy to my heart. Well, I think what we all recognize is is the next big issue we're already into, and that's uh, LGBTQ. Ken Denslow is the current Lake Union Conference president. When we interviewed him back in February of 2020, he was the assistant to the president at the North American Division. He's been featured in a few of our episodes in the past. By nature, uh, I'm a middle child. I like to think it's I'm, I'm morally superior, but really, the, the, the role I'm going to describe is probably driven more by my being a middle child than by my deep sense of uh, morality. But I'm, I, I believe in inclusion. But middle children, you know, we're known for bringing people together. We're, we're the, the ones who want everybody to get along, you know. When, I don't know if you all remember the name Rodney King, everybody else mocked at him when he said, can't we all just get along? I almost cried. You know, I was moved. That was, that was, that was music to my ears. Uh, and everybody said, ah, well, you know, all the cynicism came out at that point. I would like for us all to get along. <laughs> Having said that, we have decided on a, an approach to hermeneutics of Scripture. And it's a fairly conservative hermeneutic. But it is the hermeneutic that, that we have adhered to throughout our history. And we have not abandoned, as, as an organization, we have not abandoned that hermeneutic. When you apply that hermeneutic to passages like in 1 Corinthians, it's, it's hard to say that God doesn't care about same-sex marriage, about alternate gender-based lifestyles. But having said that, even with our hermeneutic, we are not excused from loving people that we disagree with. We are not given permission to condemn anybody because we believe they don't practice our hermeneutic. And so we have tried, we have tried to follow a course in the last few years in North America of being open and welcoming without also saying, hey, you know what, whatever you're doing is just fine. There was a piece that was produced by a committee, a study committee, about how, how to address this in our local congregations, in our schools. 
it probably was pretty balanced because we got equally beat up from both ends of the spectrum when we read when we released it you know some some want us to to just go on the attack and others want us to endorse lgbtq lifestyle so we we have gone for so long pretending that homosexuality is not an issue that within the next five years, I would anticipate a major, major challenge in the church over the issue of homosexuality. We talked with Professor Stan Patterson in episode four. You may remember it being called Thus Far and No Further, about the fundamental beliefs and church structure. I mean, something as simple as saying, can you love a homosexual? I don't mean erotic love. I'm, I'm saying just uh, the, the, the Kairos love. Do you have that capacity? Or is the sin so great that you can't love them? You know, you go down that line and all of a sudden you've worked yourself into a real difficult situation in terms of New Testament theology. And, uh, but I, I do think that, that, that that's gonna be the case. And this challenge to love others and the world around us is at the crux of whether the church will be relevant or not, whether it will fulfill its mission or won't. I think the challenge uh, at the local church level is to be relevant in its community and to bring glory to God in its local setting. Here's Lowell Cooper again. People do not reject Jesus, but people, I think, have grown with somewhat of a calloused attitude towards churches because churches seem to communicate other priorities than the priorities that Jesus demonstrated in his life. The biggest challenge for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the next five years is to live the gospel in such a way that its young people embrace it. Dwayne Esmond is the Associate Director of the White Estate. I dare this church to be credible with them. Until it is credible on the real things happening in our world, it has no room to lecture them on faith. It will continue to hemorrhage them until it becomes real in the public square of where hurt and pain and suffering is happening in this world. You can't preach the three angels' messages without feeling and healing a hurting world. The Seventh-day Adventist Church sits on a precipice of change in the coming decades. As we've worked on this podcast, one thing that's become clearer than ever is that we as a church body have some major decisions to make when it comes to what the future of Adventism looks like. And I don't mean hundreds of years in the future or 100 years in the future. I'm talking about my own lifetime. I've often said that I'm invested in this church because of what I believe it will become, not because of what it looks like today. The current dominant culture I've encountered in Adventism is actually really challenging for me as a young professional looking for safe community, and someone actively working toward a more socially just world. I love what you said about investing in what this church will become. Working on this podcast with you and Heather, talking with church leaders in our church, 
has helped me feel more rooted, grounded in this church. I feel like the past few years have left me lost and wandering, but the stories I've heard and the issues we addressed help me to see the cracks in the system and see how I can be part of patching it up. Adventism as we know it today will not be the Adventism we know tomorrow. It can't be. With so many of our current leaders and administrators reaching retirement age already, it seems we as a denomination are faced with working proactively toward the next era of the church or being forced into it and having to react to those changes as they come. We've explored so many of the corners of Seventh-day Adventism as we've made this podcast, from digging back through historical archives to laying out the systems of power, money, and beliefs we've built our organization on. The real question today, now that we have this information to wrestle with and to process, is what will we do with it? How will we use the gifts and the opportunities we've been given, and most importantly, what God is calling us to build as we rocket into this unknown future. So much of what tomorrow will look like is being built today. It's being shaped by every human being that comes into contact with this church. If we know one thing from both our own history and the longer history of God's work in humanity, we know that in every era, God calls people to challenge the status quo. In the Old Testament, He called prophets to steer his people back toward him. We believe God did the same with reformers and with the early pioneers of the Adventist movement. So why would he stop today? Why wouldn't God be calling us to take what we have in front of us and to do whatever we possibly can to make our faith and characters more like Jesus? What is God leading us to when it comes to the climate crisis, stewardship of our planet, and climate refugees? What is God leading us to when it comes to a world economic approach that prioritizes profit over people and dictates our value based on our productivity? A society that turns its back on pregnant single mothers and death row inmates? Warring factions that say you can't be gay and follow Jesus? A society that is increasingly disconnected and struggles with addiction? What radical revival and reformation is God calling us to? What present truth does he have for us today? That's the question we'll leave you all with. We don't have the answers, but we know God is leading us toward the truth he has for us in the next chapter of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We just have to be willing to listen. Church Works is hosted by Nina Velado and Caleb Isley. Thank you to all of our guests this season for your honesty, your candor, your experience, and wisdom. You can find bonus content for this episode and all our episodes on our website, howthechurchworks.com. This episode was written by Heather Moore and Caleb Isley. It was produced by Heather Moore. All episodes are edited and mixed by the multi-talented, lovely Nina Velado. 
Thank you to Michael Campbell for reviewing and fact-checking our episodes. Our logo design is by Brittany Colby, website and social media by Chelsea Ernina. Thank you to Stephen Husett, our tech and equipment expert. The show is executive produced by Adam Fenner, Heather Moore, Kayla Beisley, and Nina Velato. Special thank you to the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists and the Adventist Learning Community for making this podcast possible. And one last time, we would love to hear from you. We'll still be checking the email. Just send it to hello at howthechurchworks.com. I've been searching for a reason So I know what to believe But it's always like Church, preach Church, preach Church, preach It's all the same to me